Hi, it's Jessica Sun. Welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. Today, I want to talk about perfectionism and what it is, my personal relationship with perfectionism, and then how to overcome it, how to work with it, see what it can reveal about you, and some ideas on how to live differently and live outside of that perspective. Perfectionism is a really personal topic for me. I used to be perfectionistic, very much identified with being a perfectionist and was proud to be one. It really was something where every little mistake was identified and nothing was okay if it wasn't 100%. There was this sense of, well, if I can work hard enough to kind of be the best, then why not do that? And anything less than that just is failing. It's just not good enough. A huge key to understanding perfectionism and living in a different way is to recognize the benefits you're getting out of it. So that sense of pride was a good thing in some sense of feeling like, you know, I want to work hard. I want to strive to be better. I want to strive to be the best. I mean, that's not a negative thing. And so a lot of things that were once adaptive for us become maladaptive. And so at one point, it may have been adaptive for you to be perfectionistic, especially in school. People are trained to be unhappy with a 99% versus a 100%. You know, the focus is on the missing part, the lack, and not the whole of it, which is, you know, 99% pretty much is 100%, but not to some people. And I was one of those people. I mean, we're very much rewarded externally for being achievement-oriented and perfect in some sense, good in some sense. People like it when we do things that appear good. And so we get their approval and we can start identifying with these achievements. We'll personally feel connected to achieving and doing things perfectly, even though our identity isn't based on achievement. Our identity is really based on our values and things inside of us, not things outside of us. The dark side to perfectionism is that nothing is ever good enough. Despite achieving so many things, so many wonderful and tremendous things, your perspective is only focused on what's missing and what's not there and what could have been better and all the mistakes and all the little things. And whatever you focus on grows. So even if the big picture is that you're doing well and you're doing most things just fine and really, really well, there will always be those mistakes and things we just can't avoid, you know? And I think perfectionists believe that perfection is possible. And so they get hurt. They hurt themselves trying to get there because in fact, in reality, things aren't perfect and there will always be bad that comes with the good and a negative that comes with the positive and things will be left undone, will be late, will be unfinished. It's a part of how everything works. As a perfectionist, I used to see that as a cop-out. I used to think to myself, well, if you say that perfection doesn't exist, you can use that as an excuse to not be looking to be perfect. And that is one way to look at it. 
And I suppose there's no right or wrong way or no right or wrong perspective. They're just different. So it really comes down to how do you want to feel? How do you want to treat yourself? How do you want to interact with others? Perfectionism is a symptom of your relationship with yourself. When you are seeing the flaws of everything and what's missing and what's wrong and what could be better in the world, that is also how you treat yourself. And you are only looking for your own flaws and you're looking for what's wrong and missing and lacking in yourself. And you believe that you are not good enough and that you must be constantly improved and that in the end, you will never be good enough because there's just something wrong with you. I mean, it just comes down to your own sense of self. When you realize that, it really allows you to take responsibility for your own experience. The thing is that it's not our fault that we are perfectionistic. It's definitely something that this culture really ingrains in us pretty early on in terms of, you know, being surrounded by media and images and films and shows and a lot of ideas and stories around being better and achieving more and that being a great thing that we should all strive for, looking better, having more, more things, cars, houses, doing well in school. I mean, the stories of extreme circumstances really were shown such a distortion in media that occupies our mental space for so long that we end up thinking that we just aren't good enough how we are. That might also be compounded by your relationship with your parents or caregivers early on, how you were treated or mistreated, or the lack of some treatment as well. That might lead you to believe that it's your fault, that something's wrong with you, rather than, well, they have their own life experiences and you know they're dealing with their own things. Because children tend to, because they don't know anything, they tend to blame themselves when things go wrong and believe it's about them. School is a system that we pretty much all go through. And at least in the U.S., there's this pressure to be better, to be better than others, to improve, to prove ourselves and our worth. This idea that the future depends on what we do now. And also for many people, this conditional love that they get from their parents in terms of if you do well in school, you know, I love you more or some sense of that. There might be the flip side of being punished for not being perfect or being good or doing well. And so part of perfectionism might be a fear of being average or a fear of performing poorly, quote-unquote. Regardless of what happened to you, if you're an adult now and nobody's pressuring you to do anything or be any which way, or even if they still are, perfectionism comes down to your relationship with yourself and how you want to be talking to yourself and what you want your mental and heart space to look like. I mean, if you want it to feel abusive and negative and dark, I think that's what perfectionism is inside our minds. 
it's a place of misery. It's a place where nothing is good enough. Everything feels like a burden. It feels heavy. It's this constant race and this cycle of even if you do something perfectly, well, that's only getting you to the next place where, you know, this is another opportunity to fail. It's another possibility to not be perfect. And so it's kind of like an addiction that just isn't rewarding anymore. And it's just a very self-defeating addiction. Now, I want to talk about some alternatives to this kind of mental space, this way of being and living and talking to oneself, which is a place of joy, curiosity, something childlike in that where we're open and just wanting to explore and to witness with no goal or endpoint in mind. And feeling like we can play and having that sense of open fields to do as we please. A place where mistakes are fine because how could we be expected not to make a mistake? I mean, that's not being realistic. And its aim is to subjugate oneself of if you don't let yourself make mistakes i mean there's essentially some kind of dictatorship in your own mind and in terms of how to do this the first thing is self-awareness to just say okay i'm perfectionistic and that's what it is you know i think a big thing for me was being around people who weren't like that people who just loved to be themselves and could even laugh about making mistakes or, you know, really observing others who mess up or, you know, drop something or let's just say they're cooking and they overcook the bacon and have to throw it away or just something that might really bother you. But to see them respond in a very calm way, a very neutral, okay, that's that. <laughs> uh, in that kind of sense, it gives you a new way of being that you can try on, you know, see if it works for you. Also, it helps to kind of ease off social media or just let go of those comparisons to other people and to really focus on your own experience and yourself and limit any opportunities for you to judge, at least in the beginning stages. Later on, once you continue to practice self-love, it'll become easier over time and you don't need to avoid situations. But at least in the beginning, I think it helps to you know, get off social media for a time or at least be conscious about that. And another tip is to start really, really small. Set your goals just silly small, just insanely silly small. I talk about this in a different episode called Habits. It basically, if your goal is huge, you just don't even want to get started. And it is such a daunting, scary thing because you know you're going to fail. But if you make a goal that is very much doable and within sight, somehow the brain just receives that a lot better. And you actually get better results from that versus having this huge goal and it just falling apart because the brain just can't access that as easily. It just doesn't really work in that way. I think I've told this story before, but 
when I was training for a marathon, at that point, I had never run, you know, more than five or six miles, you know, ever. And even that was crazy long for me. I mean, even like a couple miles was a good run for me in my book. But I had this idea and I didn't have any, you know, specific training program where it's like every day you run X miles and you ramp up. It's got to be this whole formal thing of everything specified and track the time and make sure you're doing really well and you're keeping up. I mean, I just went in and said, a good run is where I go outside with my running shoes on that day. And if I felt good, if I felt bad, I didn't care about the time, you know. In fact, if I didn't want to run, I would allow myself, okay, if you go outside with your shoes on, you can come right back in and take off the shoes and you can still call that a run. That's how I thought of it. And strangely enough, that worked for my brain. I never did end up putting the shoes on, going outside and then coming back in because once you get the ball rolling, then it's so much easier, you know, overcoming that initial inertia is huge and it doesn't make sense logically, but the brain doesn't necessarily think completely logically. Otherwise, none of us would be perfectionistic in the first place. So setting the bar low like that doesn't mean that you don't care about your aspirations and your big dreams and your big goals and your ideas. It just means that you know how your brain works and you know how to use that knowledge effectively. Coming out of a perfectionistic way of living doesn't mean you're letting go of this sense of pride and this desire to kind of learn more and do better. It just really means that you come to yourself with love and that you're not going to beat yourself up and put yourself down and criticize yourself constantly and just have a dark cloud in your mental space. You will start bringing more joy into what you do. You'll start being more present with what you do instead of obsessing over, am I doing well? Is this good enough? You know, and it'll help you become more creative and free and expressive in whatever you're doing. Most importantly, it helps you feel alive. And there's nothing quite like that feeling. And anything can be an opportunity to kind of put your foot in the door in terms of living less perfectionistically and more freely, happily, joyously. If there's a hobby that you love and that you just do for its own sake, then, you know, start there and just do that and take those lessons into other parts of your life. Or if you just feel like you're perfectionistic with literally everything, you can always take up something new and then just see how it goes without any expectation of doing well in it. And from there, really understanding that every person on this planet has things they're better at and things they're worse at. And that's okay because you don't need to be good at everything to kind of prove yourself and show that you're worthy and that you're good enough and that you're of value. I keep meaning to make an episode on self-love because that's kind of what all these topics really touch upon and weave into. So 
that'll happen next week. And I hope you found this episode helpful about perfectionism. The challenge this week is to write down three ways in which you find yourself being perfectionistic or the biggest things that you tend to be really perfectionistic about. Just write them down. You don't need to do anything else. And maybe allow yourself to consider, okay, why these things specifically? And it could root back to your childhood. It could have other meanings and associations for you. So just introduce that into your mind as something to just have in the background of something that you're pondering and that you want to gain more of an understanding of and increase your self-awareness. Coming up on Friday, we've got a conversation with Pip Ray, and we talk about empowerment, women and men's empowerment, violence, justice, and the justice system, how she's an advocate for both victims and perpetrators, and it should be an interesting conversation. So tune in on Friday for some thought-provoking ideas in the justice space as it relates to gender. That's it for today. And I'll catch you next time for another episode of Guru Please.